0: Hello and welcome to High Crimes and Misdemeanors. Today we are joined by Carlton Fields aviation attorney, Edward Page and summer associate, Nancy Erickson. In today's episode, we are going to discuss the anatomy of a federal prosecution of a drone pilot. Ed, can you tell us a little bit about this podcast? Yes, this podcast
1: is going to be about federal criminal prosecutions of drone pilots across the United States. My name is Ed Page and I'm a shareholder at Carlton Fields. I've been employed here since 2000 and a goodly part of my practice is devoted to aviation law enforcement cases, uh, buy and selling aircraft and drone pilots. And so this program is designed to highlight the recent federal developments about Federal Criminal Prosecutions of Drone Pilots. Nancy?
2: Good afternoon, I'm Nancy Erickson. I am a third-year student at Stetson University College of Law here in the Tampa area, and I spent last summer as a summer associate at Carlton Fields.
0: Ed, what are some preliminary comments that you think the audience should be aware of when it comes to drone piloting?
1: Yes, I wanted to help the audience understand that uh, by providing this broad overview first, before we talk about particulars of individual federal criminal prosecutions of drone pilots. And the broad overview and background here is as follows. The FAA has rulemaking authority and has enacted elaborate sets of rules that govern all drone pilots including purely recreational drone operators the faa maintains an excellent website at faa.gov and it has information there about the registration and certification requirements for drone pilots and for various drone operations whether they're recreational or so the faa doesn't really like this term commercial operations and the FAA has a website called faadronezone.faa.gov for more information about drone operations. And so in the federal criminal prosecution of uh, drone operators, there are different levels before you get to the ultimate level, which is a federal criminal prosecution of a drone pilot for an operation and those levels are informal or civil and civil penalties and what are called certificate actions. And so there is, in effect, a hierarchy that starts with informal enforcement, civil monetary penalties against drone pilots for violating various rules and regulations. And then there are certificate actions that the FAA institutes. So far, these are all civil in nature. No one goes to jail. They're just fines imposed or civil monetary penalties are imposed or pilot or remote pilot or drone pilot deviations from the rules. The last and most severe category after informal simple, civil penalties and then certificate actions where a drone pilot might lose his or her remote pilot certificate is the one that we'll be talking about the most today, and that's the federal criminal prosecution of a drone pilot for violating one or more of the federal criminal statutes that are in play in the United States of America.
0: So what type of conduct leads to criminal charges?
1: Well, we have to look at the criminal statutes involved here to decide or to really discuss what can lead to criminal charges. And one of the most blatant uh, violations and a great example is what Nancy located doing the research for this podcast. And this is what we'll talk about more in depth later in this podcast, but there have been several cases where individuals have launched uh, drones with a payload consisting of drugs or other items and flown it into a federal prison operated by the Federal Bureau of Prisons to deliver those controlled substances or other goods or contraband. And so that is clearly an illegal drone operation. It might be conducted without a drone being registered without the pilot or the drone pilot being certificated. And it's clearly an effort to violate the drug, federal drug laws in the United States and found in Title 21, Section 841 by delivering drugs from the drone operator inside to someone inside the prison. So that's an example of what kind of conduct can lead to criminal charges. And we've identified four basic areas here through Nancy Erickson's research that we want to talk about. And those are as follows. There can be criminal charges that arise from violating stadium temporary flight restrictions. So most stadiums, NFL, National Football League, and other stadiums, there come into play certain rules and regulations and statute that prohibit drone flights around them when the stadium or that temporary flight restriction area is what's called active. Another area that or category that we identified was flying unregistered uh, drones without a license to facilitate, as we as I was describing moments ago, uh, drug activity. The third area is flying an unregistered drone without a license uh, with bad intent. And so those are three so far. And then one we recently found was mail fraud involving a gentleman charged by indictment in the state of Texas in federal court for using false certificates of registration, false pilot information, false FAA waivers, and false certificates of insurance to start on collect money in order to put on a drone show for SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment, Inc. uh, in San Antonio, Texas. So those are the four areas that we've really talk about and marshal to have further discussions about during this podcast.
0: Ed, can you give us some background on the FAA regulations for operating and piloting a drone?
1: I certainly can. So the background that's important for this podcast is as follows. The FAA regulates what's called National Airspace or NAS. And through their rules and regulations and their ability to make rules, the FAA has adopted what are called TFRs, or temporary flight restrictions, that become operational at certain times, and some of them are permanent. For example, a permanent TFR is in the state of Texas. It's called the presidential TFR, and it surrounds the bush compound. can't fly within there uh, at any time. Other TFRs, around the country arise during football games or around naval air bases or army bases or uh, air force bases and the like and they run in specific or operate in specific areas for a specified period of time and when nat- uh, necessary I should say for national defense. Another type of TFR or temporary flights uh, restriction is uh, around stadiums. And I think I've mentioned this a little bit so far, but for National Football League stadiums and baseball stadiums and in other large gatherings like that, the FAA enacts or imposes a temporary uh, flight restriction, TFR, and normally those are within a three nautical mile radius of a stadium uh, with a stadium that has a 30,000 seat capacity or more uh, during NFL, NCAA, division one football, major league baseball games, NASCAR races and the list is really infinite. It It can go on and on. And they run from one hour before generally to one hour after the event. And they apply to every type of aircraft, including jets and general aviation planes, but they also include, for the purposes of this podcast, drones. And so that's kind of the background of the regulatory scheme or legal framework for TFRs and drones and the like that we'll be talking about.
0: So Ed, what can you tell us about flyovers?
1: Well, so flyovers are different than drone operations near a stadium flyovers traditionally start at the beginning of the football game that we watch either in person or on television and aircraft fly over the stadium. Behind the scenes, the aircraft have been given permission by the air traffic control area and by the FAA to conduct that operation because they're violating really uh, the temporary flight restriction, but they're doing so with permission. So it's not a violation. But it underscores the need to be paying attention uh, for pilots and others to get waivers or permission to fly in certain airspace across the country during these NFL games or NASCAR events or other football or baseball games. So the flyover is prevalent, but it's always done with permission and in coordination with air traffic control and the FAA.
0: What are the consequences for violating the law with these activities? Well, so let's take your
1: basic one because there's many, many possible violations here, but let's just start with a simple violation of a temporary flight restriction. There was, in the past, the last time Miami had the Super Bowl, a temporary flight restriction in place uh, around the stadium during the Super Bowl, but there was also another temporary flight restriction around a a particularly populated area of Miami where certain events were being held. And the police and uh, customs and all sorts of law enforcement were involved in enforcing that temporary flight restriction, watching for general aviation aircraft, watching for drones, and uh, keeping that airspace safe uh, from drones and others. And the consequences of violating those are several. And we've referred to them earlier in the podcast here as informal enforcement, civil penalties. Civil penalties just mean you can get fined. These are called civil monetary penalties, the FAA. Sends you a letter, says, "Hey, uh, this violation. We can prove it. Here are the here's the evidence, and we are demanding a payment in in such and such amount." And then, lastly, there's a certificate action. If the drone operator or pilot is involved in a temporary flight restriction, that that pilot or drone operator risks giving up having their pilot license or drone certificate pilot license, suspended or revoked. And then finally, as we talked about before, there's the possibility of a federal criminal prosecution. And we have examples of those that Nancy and I will talk about in a little bit. So usually the FAA conducts enforcement actions and sometimes issues a warning Occasionally, as we discuss, there are criminal penalties. And I think it's helpful for Nancy to to describe uh, one of these that she located. This was a uh, case from 2017. Nancy?
2: Sure. So the case I found from 2017 was out of the Northern District of California. And this case, there was a drone pilot who flew the drone over the 49ers and the Raiders stadiums on the same day. And he was dropping some pamphlets that had a political message on them, but he obviously did not have the clearance to be doing that. And the police literally just followed the drone. Like they could see the drone leaving the temporary flight restriction area and they followed it back to this individual's car They charged him under uh, Title 49 of the US Code, Section 46307, which prohibits violating national defense airspace. And that charge has a maximum of one year in prison. It's a misdemeanor. The government in this case requested two years of probation, which was the maximum probation. And they asked for the maximum probation because even though the leaflets turned out to just be paper, and no one was hurt. The concern was that the law enforcement officials who were on the scene at both stadiums didn't know when this drone flew over and started dropping leaflets what they were. They didn't know if they were hazardous materials, and they were concerned about the potential for inducing panic in a crowded area with a lot of people. The court, in addition to giving this individual two years of probation, also imposed some nominal fees, and then he also had to forfeit the drone.
0: So, Ed, what's another category that you can tell us about that most people aren't aware of when it comes to drone piloting?
1: Well, the next category we want to talk about is drone pilots operating without a remote pilot certificate or without a, the drone having been registered with the FAA. And we only saw one criminal charge or case in this category that wasn't a drug-related case. Most of these cases are addressed via or through non-criminal enforcement actions, but sometimes they can result in a criminal case. Under Title 49, United States Code, Section 46306, it's a felony to operate a drone without an airman's certificate or proper drone registration and the maximum exposure is up to three years in prison and this is important for hobbyists to keep in mind as well uh, because there are intricate and elaborate registration and certification requirements that vary and so the hobbyists should check the FAA website to see what requirements uh, apply to them as well as by looking at FAA drone zone But Nancy found, I believe, one case in which the Department of Justice actually brought a charge involving this kind of violation. And I'll let Nancy Erickson talk about that now.
2: Sure. So this case was United States versus Weeks. It was in the Western District of Virginia in February of 2022. And the outcome of this case, the individual also received two years of probation and had to forfeit the drone. But this individual was operating an unregistered drone, and he was using it to harass firefighters at a fire station. He actually flew the drone into the fire station um, where it crashed. And so that's kind of an extreme example. Um, And he wasn't just out in a field flying his drone without having the proper certificates, but was kind of using it with malintent and in a way that was disruptive.
1: So you'll see here, these cases are always on a continuum from, as Nancy put it, merely operating in an empty field without a register fully registered drone or without your remote pilot certificate, all the way to this case that Nancy just discussed, which was United States versus Weeks, which was using a drone to harass firefighters and following them into the fire station where there was a crash. So the government looks at these and evaluates these kind of fact patterns and decides, should this be done through rectified through a certificate action, a monetary civil monetary penalty action, or does it warrant a criminal prosecution? And in this one in weeks, the government decided that it warranted a federal criminal prosecution, which in my book is a big deal. If you haven't been to federal court before, it'll, it'll get your attention.
0: Ed, are there any other areas that you would like to go over when it comes to operating a drone?
1: Yes, I think it's important to point out that by far the larger, largest number of cases uh, in the area of operating an unregistered drone without a registered pilot certificate, whether it's a remote pilot certificate or a regular pilot certificate, is these drone operations that we touched about or touched on briefly a little bit ago involving delivery or facilitation of a controlled substance like methamphetamine or marijuana. And 49 United States Code section 46306 makes it a felony to operate a drone without an airman's certificate or proper drone registration when it's related to a controlled substance violation. The maximum in federal prison is five years and That's an important guideline because although people look at this and say well geez it's only five years there's always a separate violation under Title 21 Section 841 or 846 because those are the statutes and the tools federal prosecutors use to prosecute people involved in drug trafficking, drug delivery, and conspiracy to do the same. So you might have a single violation of this felony that says it's a felony to operate a drone without an airman's certificate in relation to a drug crime, but you are always gonna have another count in the indictment or information that charges the actual conspiracy or delivery or or trafficking. And Nancy found a, a great example of this case in United States versus Ross. Nancy?
2: The United States versus Ross was in the Southern District of Mississippi. It occurred in July of 2021, and it hasn't been resolved because the individuals are still awaiting sentencing. But this was a scheme to fly marijuana into a state correctional facility, and they were charged with three counts, serving as an airman without a valid certificate, committed in relation to a controlled substance violation, which is what you just talked about, Ed. And then the additional count you were saying um, that would come along with it. And in this case, it was selling or possessing with intent to sell uh, drugs. And then they also were charged with operating an aircraft that hadn't been registered in relation to a controlled substance violation. So each of those counts carries a potential, it it carries a maximum of five years. And the thing about the statute that you just discussed is that that sentence can't run concurrent with any other term of imprisonment. It has to run consecutively. So they can't they can't run those five years altogether. They have to run after any other sentence that the individual is serving. And this case was kind of typical of a lot of the drug-related cases that I found. And many of those individuals were either already in prison serving a sentence or they were out on probation, which was probably going to be revoked because of their involvement in this additional crime. And so the sentence that they get for this crime can't be served at the same time. It's going to get stacked on the end, so I think that's significant.
1: The other case we want to talk about, besides United States versus Ross, is another federal criminal case. This was in the United States District Court for the Northern District of Texas, Fort Worth Division. It's a recent federal complaint filed on August second, uh, 2022, and I'd like to just read from the complaint because it speaks for itself. On or about May fourth, 2022, at approximately 11:55 p.m. at the Federal Medical Center (FMC) located in Fort Worth, Texas, a federal correctional facility. Staff observed a drone with a package hanging from the bottom of it, operating over the prison facility. Staff notified the FMC Fort Worth Control Center via radio of the sighting at the end that the drone had crashed near the HVAC and construction shop. So this is the core allegation in this federal complaint. Federal complaints are not evidence we're not saying that this was a crime that was committed and proven beyond a reasonable doubt. This has to be charged by information or indictment and there has to be a resolution of that charge either by a trial, a plea or acquittal or finding them not guilty. But the example here just shows you that drones are becoming more and more prevalent in interesting operations that cause the federal government to scrutinize uh, these drone operations, such as this one, by a drone crash with a package hanging from the bottom of it uh, in, inside of the perimeter of a federal medical correctional facility.
0: So, Ed, what do you think the takeaways would be from going over these cases?
1: Well, I think there are several that can be distilled from the cases that we've talked about during this podcast on federal criminal prosecution of drone operators and pilots. Number one, if someone is committing a crime and they use a drone as a tool to commit that crime, whether it's delivery of controlled substance, dropping leaflets, or otherwise, It could result and may very well result in a harsher penalty being imposed than had no drone been involved in the criminal activity. Number two, it's still accurate to say in my view that most of these violations do not result in criminal charges. Criminal charges, it still seems to me, are being reserved for the most severe kind of violations, like harassing firefighters, dropping leaflets over existing and ongoing NFL games and documented situations where there have been a a delivery of drugs or attempted delivery of drugs into a state or federal correctional institution. So that's the second uh, takeaway. The third is that if you do fly a drone for any reason, however, it's a good idea to check out faadronezone.faa.gov and the website there for the requirements that apply to you. Because different requirements exist for purely recreational use, taking, for example, footage for YouTube and the like, all of those different uh, scenarios Have different rules that apply to them. And then finally, if you do have questions about the FAA's requirements for drone operators, a lawyer familiar with drone operations, an aviation lawyer, can help you in this area understand the rules and the regulations so that you can keep from violating them. And finally, if it's too late, if you've already violated the rules and regulations A good aviation lawyer with substantial criminal experience can help you navigate the ins and outs of properly defending in a federal criminal prosecution of a drone pilot or drone operator.
0: What's a good way for listeners to contact you?
1: They can contact me, Ed Page, by calling me at 813-229-4308 or looking at Carlton Fields' website, or by emailing me at epage at carltonfields.com. So Ed, what can we expect for the next podcast? Nancy Erickson and I are, are working on another installment of High Crimes and Misdemeanors. And this next podcast will be devoted to helping pilots who have had DUIs navigate and understand the FAA rules and regulations about the pilot's reporting obligation to the FAA and more because pilots and DUIs are a very troublesome and difficult area of the law for pilots to understand. And it's been my experience that they frequently misunderstand their reporting obligations. And we're going to set the record clear, help pilots know when they have a reporting obligation and stay right with the FAA.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the High Crimes and Misdemeanor podcast presented by Carlton Field and Ed Page.
2: This podcast is intended for general information and educational purposes only and should not be relied on as if it were advice about a particular fact situation. The distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with Carlton Fields.